0: So um, there's no series that we're in. We're just wrapping up the end of the year. And uh, a lot of churches at this point, we were talking about it as a team, you know, they shut down this service. They just, for the end of the year, they cancel the service and, and, uh, and they just don't do anything. But for me, I just, this is kind of one of my favorite times because maybe it's in my mind we're shifting from what God has done in 2015 in anticipation of what he's going to do in 2016. And so I always end up with like kind of this word for in the middle. And, uh, and, and I don't know, maybe it's just how I hear or whatever, but I get really excited about this day, kind of marrying the two together or tying the two together. And so um, for us, you know, we're excited, you know, we realize that, you know, people kind of miss and they sort of have the Christmas hangover and hopefully not really a hangover, but a Christmas one. And then, um, and so today uh, I'm excited to get into it, but here's how I want you to look at it. I want you to look at it um, in a way that it's like, okay, God. Here's what we do. You know, there's regular maintenance that you do to your car. There's things like you put gas in and you make sure the oil gets changed, and, and, and I would kind of liken that to, uh, you know, you, you pray and you worship and you do some of your regular routine type stuff to kind of keep yourself going, but, but then there's times where you get a certain mileage, and especially if you go to a, a, a dealer oil change place, they, they turn the computer around and they tell you like, oh, you're a mile over, this, this car is certainly going to blow up if you don't overpay, for, and if any of you work in an oil change place, I'm, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> (laughs) that I'm really getting on you, but you know what I'm saying, and so they, and so they tell you, you know, but every certain miles, it's like, okay, this is the stuff that we regularly do, oil, gas, and we keep up with this stuff, whatever, but then you get into certain miles, and it's like, hey, you you really should flush the transmission fluid, and you know, you got to do new brakes, and you got to do some of the bigger tune-up type things to make sure you can stay on the road at your best performance, because if you don't, things break down or whatever. And you say, well, how could it break down? I'm still doing gas and I'm still changing my, oh yeah. But sometimes you just have to go a little bit deeper. Amen. And so kind of what we're going to talk about today is that, is like in our life, as we head into the new year, what are the things that in our life we're kind of getting to that mileage point where it's like, you know what? Uh, I've been praying. I've been going to church. I've been, I've been doing kind of the regular routine stuff to keep me going. But, but now I need to kind of strip back a little bit and uh, do it, do a deep maintenance. Amen. And so four things I brought with us today to talk about. Um, four things that I want you to go home and think about. Uh, I hope that every week you come here and and you hear the word and and you think about it, but I really hope that today you take these things and you go home and you give them thought, you give them effort, you give them some real consideration about how is this gonna come with me into 2016. And So for some of you, the first point is not really gonna apply that much, uh, but in the sense that I want you to just be agreeing and encouraging with us as a family. So my first point I wanna talk about is the importance of in our Christian walk, baptism. You know, next week is baptism. And the reason I bring it up uh, for you, maybe you've been baptized, maybe it's something that, you know, is a big part of your life that you still remember and and you're good there. Awesome. My, My ask to you would be, be here next week. And encourage the people that are celebrating a new life and cheer them up. We're their family. Amen. We're, we're, we're cheering them on. We're their, and so let's be here. Let's really encourage them. But for, for those of you that you say, man, it, you know, I've never, I've never been baptized or maybe I was baptized a long time ago and, it, and, and it's just not something uh, that I remember or it's not significant to me because I've let it. Um, first of all, I'll say it's okay for you to get baptized again. If you feel like you're in a place where you want to get baptized again and you want to publicly display that, uh, do it. Sign up again, and, um, and we'll totally do that again, and we'll celebrate that with you. But for those of you saying, okay, baptism, what does it look like for me? I want to give you a few practical points. We'll start in Mark chapter 1, verse 9. It says, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love with you. I am well pleased. And so the first thing that we see about baptism is that if we are to be Christ-like, because that's what God called us to do is to be people that are Christ-like. Then if Jesus got baptized, how many think it's good that we be people who are baptized? Amen. And then the blessing in it too, is that God says, uh, it pleases him. When you get baptized and you make a public uh, recognition of what God has done in your life, uh, that pleases God that you're a person who, who says, Yeah, hey, I want to display the change that's happened in me inwardly, outwardly. I want to show people and make a sign um, that, Hey, I'm, I'm going through change and God is changing me. And so that's the first thing we see. If God did it, if Jesus did it, then we should do it. There's something really powerful, as you can see in this scripture, that when you go down, and when you come up. It talks about how uh, he saw the spirit descending on him like a dove, and, and there was a word spoken to him. And so I just believe in baptism, uh, you'll go down, which is the death burial. It's a symbol of death, dying to ourselves, being buried in a resurrection. We're literally uh, we're following in what Jesus did. He, death, he, he died and was buried and was resurrected in new life. And then just as he rose out of baptism, uh, out of his baptism, God spoke to him and and the spirit was upon him. I believe in your life that if you enter what would be a baptismal tub, but if you go into that looking at it as this powerful symbolic act, this holy moment where you're saying, my old ways are dying, my old habits are dying, but I believe that when I come back up, I'm coming up in new life, I believe that God could speak something to you just like he did to Jesus. I believe that you could feel the Holy Spirit be on you just like Jesus felt, amen? And so there's power that comes in uh, baptism. We, you know, we think, well, it's just kind of going underwater for other people to see. No way. It's a huge, significant holy moment. Just like marriage is a covenant and it's a holy moment and all these other holy moments that we think of, it's not like a ritual. This, these are, it's like encounters with God, amen? And so, uh, and so it's a big deal. In scripture, uh, the word uh, baptism is baptizo in the Greek, and uh, it means to be submerged or sinking or sunk. Uh, One translation of it is to say uh, it's to be final under the water. How many of you who've never been baptized or maybe you're thinking you want to do it again? You just have some things in your life that you're ready to bury for final. But amen. Anybody? And so And so you're just ready to say, oh, okay, th- these things, I'm going to do this, and, and it's going to be final in my life. God is going to raise me up in a new life. That's what baptism does. Baptism is so important. Jesus made sure it's mentioned in the Great Commission. He's getting ready to leave, and he says, hey, here's what you need to do. He says, you need to go into all the world, teach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And so literally he gives you like, here, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do on this earth. We're going to reach people. We're going to love people. We're going to preach the gospel, but you got to baptize them too. Amen. It's a big deal. It's a big part of what God cares about. It was a command of God that we baptize people. I love it like this. The scripture says uh, that when you're saved, and you believe in your heart, that's in Romans, you get saved, and you believe in all your heart that, uh, that God raised Christ from the dead, that's how you, you know, that's the salvation process, but what baptism is, is it's, it's your wedding ring, it's getting in front of people and saying, hey, look, Uh, I I love my wife and and we've been married uh, and and this is how, this is my outward symbol of my love and affection for her. Amen. That's what you're doing in baptism. You're saying, God has has changed me and he's made me new and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm walking out my salvation and now I want you to see it. I want my family to see it. Amen? Amen. And so just be thinking of that. You know, it's your public display. Baptism is an outward expression of what you have already decided in your heart. So when you choose to be baptized, it's just your outward expression of what, what God is already doing on the inside of you. Two things happen when you get baptized that we see in scripture that I love. Two things happen. One, it demonstrates what God is doing. And number two, it activates. Those are the two things I believe that happen in baptism. And let me show it to you. Um, Underwater, you are leaving things in the water. Literally, when you go into the the water and you come back up, I believe that you leave things there. (laughs) That's why it's good to go first in baptism. You don't want to come up with other people's stuff. (laughs) Just get in there early, come to the meeting early. You'll be first in line. But (laughs) but but you go you go and you, you you go and you go under. And you come up a new person, you come up a new life. And, and I could all over this room, I could, I could pull people up here that have been baptized before and I could say, hey, tell me about it. And i say, yeah, I went under, but when I came up, I knew or I felt. or the, and, and it's not about emotion and about feeling. You know the difference between, wow, God just did something and, oh, that was kind of a nice moment. Amen? And so you leave things in the water. Romans 6.3 says, or do you, kn- do you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized unto his death. Verse four, we were therefore buried with him through baptism unto death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may have a new life. So the places in your life that you say, God, I need new life. Maybe you've been saved and you're a believer, but you're just looking for that new life. Baptism is another layer of his new life. Amen. Number two, what I so that demonstrates, number two, it activates in verse 10. It says, Jesus was coming up out of the water and he saw heaven being torn and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, which we read, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. The word here torn uh, is schizo, which is where we get our word schizophrenic, uh, which literally meant to tear or to divide or to split. And so the separation Coming up out of the water, that separation that you may experience between God and yourself, literally, when you come up out of new water, it says that there's a tear there. There is no separation between that in your life with baptism, amen? Amen. Your condition is torn, and God affirms you, amen? Baptism is the initial step of a faithful heart. Baptism is a public faith in action. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward faith. And so I know I went fast through a lot of that. And if, you know, our sermons go up this week, and if you're considering being baptized, um, you know, maybe you want to listen to the sermon again and, and kind of spend some time in that kind of stuff. But my encouragement to you is if you even have like a, a nudge or a desire or you're considering, ask God about it. You know, don't, don't buy me on my cell. Ask God about it. You know, go home, spend some time and, and say, God, you know, where, where am I at on this? What would you lead me to do? couple practical questions as we get ready to do the sign ups just so that you know. Um, some people ask, can my child be baptized? And, uh, and we do that here. We have, for the last few weeks, we've been teaching on child baptism up in our kids' ministry area. And what we believe is if they can give you an understanding of what baptism means, then we'll baptize them. Amen? And so, if they have an understanding, it's that clear. We believe, you know, that God does speak to kids. We believe that. And uh, you actually see it all throughout Scripture where children are being used and God speaks to them. And so, it's no different today. And so, if they have an understanding of it and it's something they desire, then absolutely we'd love for your children to be baptized. Some people say, Can my infant be baptized? Do they know how to swim? I guess it would be mine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here's what we believe we believe in the Bible that we see two ways that Jesus uh, handled. Uh, dedicating or committing his third kit, Jesus. And what you see is you see uh, in Luke chapter two, you see that he went to the temple and he was dedicated. There was a dedication that took place in there. And then you see, of course, later, which I already read to you in Matthew three, you see that he was water baptized. And so uh, that's what we believe. We have child dedication services. We'll have another one coming up uh, in a few weeks here. Um, and so um, so we do dedication with the little, little ones, and then, of course, later when they have an understanding, we do water baptism, and so that's just how we do things here. Cool? My second thing that I want to talk about today is just it's something that I love. It's something that I kind of think about and look about uh, often, and you may have heard me talk about it a little bit, but it's called the law of the first things, and uh, here's what's awesome about Scripture is it always gives you, um, not really parameters, not really, but it's these Because everybody says, oh, Christianity is so full of rules. I don't know how you can be a Christian. It's so full of rules. But the Bible's full of more promises for your life than it is any kind of rule. Amen. And so it's like, here's another promise that we're going to talk about. Like, Hey, if you abide in these promises, these kinds of things can happen in your life. And so all throughout scripture, you see the idea of the law of the first things. And as we get ready to head into uh, the first month of the year and a new year, it's important for us to look and go, okay, God, uh, what are you saying? What are you speaking? What do you want us to do with the first of our year? Amen. And so we wrote this book. If you haven't seen it, we have some out there. We wrote this book for the month of January called The 31 Days of Vertical Encounter. And the idea behind that, and this is free to you. We want you to take it when you leave. And and the kids also up there uh, are getting different ones that they get to take home and we'll have throughout the month as well. Um, But literally our idea is it's 31 days in January. Let's make sure the first month of the year is devoted and committed and uh, really seeking after God. Amen. And so here's how this works, just to give you kind of a practical idea. What we wanted to do is uh, each day is a different scripture, but we have a couple things in here. We say, today I'm praying for, today I heard, and today I experienced. And the goal here is, I don't want you to do another journal. I don't want you to do another devotional. I want you to be in a place where in these 31 days, you're encountering God. You're seeing uh, what God is doing in your life. Now, is there going to be every single day where you can say, today I experienced with God, um, you know, I... um, Whatever I, you know, prayed for someone and they got out of a wheelchair, and then the next day you parted traffic so that the ambulance could go through. I don't, you know, every day is your today experience going to be a miracle? Probably not, but I think at the end of the day, if you can at least say, hey. Today, I experienced peace. Today, I experienced some joy. Today, I made it. And that was my experience. I'm still alive. But the, the idea here is take these home, pursue God, see what he has in store for you in these 31 days, because what you do in the first determines what can happen with the rest. Amen? And we'll talk about it here in a minute. But right out on the table, totally free to you. Take that home. And uh, like I said, we have different ways. Uh, we have some for your elementary age kids and then your, your little kids. Do it with those kids. Don't just put it on a shelf. If you can commit your first, uh, God will do awesome things with the rest. So what we see in Scripture is the first of anything is important to God. God calls it the law of the first things. Anytime something is mentioned or happens for the first time, it has great significance to God. God calls the thing the devoted thing meaning the thing that belongs to him. Notice in scripture that he talks about the first fruits of our increase, or he talks about the firstborn or the firstborn even of animals as mentioned. Why? Because the first of anything is important to God because it's the devoted thing. The first of anything actually represents the total. Remember how we even heard when we were in our Blessed Life series that when you give your tithe or your tenth, when you give that, it represents the total of your paycheck, And it's the same thing in our life. When we give of our first, it represents what you want God to do with the total of everything else. So when we come in January and we say, God, we are seeking you, we're devoted to you, we're making sure that you're first in our life, you're really committing the year to him. Amen? And so all throughout scripture, you just see that uh, you give God of your first. And even look at this on Sunday, even just the way that on Sundays for us, we start the week devoted to God. And then we just believe that the rest is blessed and ordained and, and holy unto him. Amen. It's almost like God is like, Hey, I get it that you're going to have soccer practice and school, and you got work and you have all of these things that you have to do. But here's how I'm going to help you. If you can just make sure that you commit to me, putting me first, I'll be with you through the rest of it. I'll covenant with you and I'll, I'll be with you on the rest of it. Amen. And so that's how our mind needs to work. Now, uh, I'll kind of bunny trail a minute. It's not in my notes. Here's what we fall into. It's so easy at the beginning of the year to be like, okay, January, I'm putting God first. And then if it's not made priority, then all you really did was put God on a calendar in January. It has to be your passion. It has to be something that you make a conscious effort to do it's easy to do and say in January because it's that time of that year to do that. But if you don't passionately move things and put things in place to make sure that that happens, then how many you know you're not going to last, right? And so it's important for us to j- don't just put God in January, put, put Him first in January and then make sure it stays priority in the rest of the year. Amen. And so when you give of the first, it's literally like you're giving all. When you say, God, I, I'm, I'm putting you first and I'm making you priority in my life. I'm living the God first life in my life. That's the series we did last year. Um, you, it's literally like you're committing and giving God your all. That's how God sees it. And so he gets it. He understands and he wants to covenant with you if you put him first. Romans 11:16 talks about this more. It says this, it says, for if the fruit, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So if in the beginning, if in the root, if in what you plant is holy, the rest grows out of that. If what you commit to God in your first grows out, now that doesn't mean you punch out <laughs> like, oh, we really did good in January. We went to church four times and uh, we got it in there in January, or five times, whatever. Is it five in January? I don't know. Is it? Because I need to come up with another sermon. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so four, five, five, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Um, oh, we got it in in January. Now we can take the rest of the year off. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you earnestly make sure when you're making your plans that you're putting God first, he's going to bless the rest. Amen. You can even see it in Abraham's life. We know Abraham, Abraham and Isaac, God says, Hey, you need to take your firstborn son, uh, the one whom you love. You need to take it up the mountain and you need to sacrifice him. And Abraham knows, man, I'm called to be the God uh, of many nations And God's calling me to sacrifice my son. And I know that if I don't follow the law of the first, if I don't do and devote the first, I'm gonna forfeit the rest. And so he goes up the mountain and he's getting ready to do the sacrifice. And God says, whoa, 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 stop. Because you were willing to give me your best and put me first in your life, I've now provided for you a ram caught in the bush and they sacrifice the ram instead. And it's the first place in scripture where you see that they say God is called Jehovah Jireh, what, our provider. When we put God first and we follow the law of the first things and we make him priority, it allows God to come and be Jehovah Jireh, the provider in our life, amen? So we gotta put him first, that's what it's about. What happens in June starts in January is what I believe. What we do here uh, really determines. It's, in, and I'm not saying God can't, you know, redeem it. And re- of course He can at any time, but in our mindset of it's like, hey, we're starting down this path and we're sticking to it. I believe that God blesses that. Amen. Yeah. So another way that He blesses it, and my third thing is is fasting. Uh, one of the things that you don't probably do on a regular basis, uh, as I was talking about kind of tuning up, one of the sort of deep things is uh, is fasting. And so in this 31 days, as you're doing your prayer stuff and you're writing your book, I hope some of the things you experience is some fasting. Uh, I hope that, you know, and for those of you, you know, that don't know, uh, literally in scripture, you see where people chose to not eat. They would give up a meal and they would give up meals at different times. And so do a little reading about it, but um, whatever God has called you to do, look into that. And so for us, fasting can be whatever causes you, that's not a bad thing, like, oh, what are the bad things I need to fast from? No, what is something in your life that might be priority or that you might be putting first or in front of God? And and even if it's not one of those things, let's just say it's something that you're like, hey, I need to peel back from this to be sacrificial, to draw near to God. That's fasting. And so we'll talk about it here in a minute. Fasting is this. Fasting begins with the desire for Ebert, for deeper intimacy with the Lord. I believe fasting can be a secret to opening doors and miracles and things that you are looking for in your life. We'll look at it in scripture here in a minute. I've heard stories all the time of people go on a fast, or you can look in scripture, which we will in a minute. People have gone on a fast, or they've been obedient going into the fast, and it's the thing that breaks open the doors or breaks things through for them in their life, literally because they chose to do that extra effort in a fast. Amen? So you with me? Amen. <laughs> you guys are, you're like, some of you were like, I'm, you know, he's talking about taking my food away. And the other people, you, you ate so much that you're like, just have it all. <laughs> That's us. By the time we were done yesterday, we were just leaving things with my parents. Like, do you guys want your ice cream? No, we were running, you know, like, you know. but, uh, but no, but so fasting, you know, don't even just, don't even put it in the box of, of food. Just be considering what are the things in my life? Uh, That I can give up in order to pursue God. It's not just skipping food, it's refraining from something for a spiritual purpose. Solomon said, These three things create a three chord that is not easily broken. Could it be that he was talking about fasting, praying, and giving? The scripture says in Mark 4 8, it says that uh, we could receive 30, 60, 100 fold. Could it be when we combine those things, praying and fasting and being people who give, could it be those are the ways that we see those return? We see in Matthew, there's a story where this son has demon possession, which was a real thing. And, uh, and so this kid is demon possessed and, uh, in a few scriptures earlier, Jesus literally gets done saying this, I've given you all authority and you can do what I do. And I've given you all this kind of stuff. And then the next time you pick up, you see that they couldn't cast the demon out of this little guy, out of this kid. And so they're all talking to Jesus, what happened? You gave us all authority, what's going on? And in Matthew 17:20, so Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And then in verse 21, he drops this. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So I think there is things in our life that God calls you to use fasting to get your breakthrough. Amen. I mean, you know, Jesus fasted in the desert and we saw all these different ways that fasting Brought breakthrough. Uh, I just believe it's really about putting our flesh in line. If you look at scripture, you'll see Moses was on a 40 day fast when he got the commandments. You saw Esther was able to go to the king because she had prepared herself in a fast. All throughout scripture, much of the breakthrough, Hannah was unable to have children and they went on fast. And Daniel and Paul and Peter, they're all mentioned in different fasting type scenarios. Uh, Why? Because it's oftentimes the thing that provides breakthrough in your life when you choose to go on a fast. And so here's what the rule is on fasting. If whatever you choose to fast doesn't really mean anything to you, then it probably doesn't mean anything to God, right? So pick a thing that's going to cost you something. Ah, I just really feel the Lord's calling me to, you know, just give up vegetables. You know, (laughs) my wife's, you know, always trying to get me to eat that gluten stuff. I feel like I need to be Give up that gluten-free. I need to be back over on that, you know, whatever. If it costs nothing, it accomplishes nothing. Find something that costs you something and give it up for God over these next 31 days. You can do it in a three-day, a four-day. You can change it up all throughout the 31 days. That's between you and God. But you'll be so curious to see how dependent you are on some of the things we have in our life. I'm a big sports talk radio guy, and so I love to just, you know, listen to everybody argue on the radio. And my wife hates it. She calls it the yelling guys. Why do you want to listen to people yell all day? And so she just doesn't get it, you know. And uh, I'm like, why do you want to watch Netflix and listen to, like— Soap, I don't even know what you watch, but uh, anyway, um, terrible example there, sorry. Um, why do you watch the same old episodes of Friends? Like, you know, I hear you quoting it more than I hear the, anyway. anyway. But uh, so here was interesting for me. So I'm cutting out, and this was hard too, because January is like your bowl games, the NFL playoffs. Um, at this time last year, uh, we were hiring and bringing back the savior, Jim Harbaugh, and so my buddies are like, have you heard? And I'm like, I can't hear, you know, like, but anyway, so sports talk radio is my thing. so I'd get in my car and I couldn't turn on the radio and I'm not kidding you. It was like nicotine fit. Now I've never had a nicotine fit, but I'm assuming that's what it's like. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm not, so I'm driving in my car. I'm like sweating and like, I'm just like, cause I wanted to turn on the radio and uh, you'll be surprised some things that you choose to, to push aside that you're going to, wow, that was really a part of my life that uh, distracted me or kept me from, from God speaking. And what's beautiful about God is, uh, okay, God, I'm, I'm not going to have the radio. I'm not going to do the thing. It's amazing how he meets you there, right? Remember when we did the 21 days of prayer and we had the glow-in-the-dark thing, and you go all throughout the day, and all of a sudden you're, you're really kind of forgetting to pray. But then all of a sudden it's dark and that thing glows, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's glowing. I'm going to pray. That's what happens when your stomach's growling. Like, oh yeah, I should pray because I'm really hungry. And, uh, and then the devil gets on TV and every commercial's like a pizza. It's like the string and they're holding it up. I'm like, why is there so many pizza commercials? You know? Uh, but, uh, but seriously, you'll be surprised how God meets you in those places that you've made room for him in a way that you've never experienced him. Amen? Uh, and then my last thought here is, uh, and I'll close with this, is uh, none of it is any good None of any of those things are good if you don't have a vision for your life and how you want God to move and how you want to go forward. Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing if you say, hey, I'm going to fast, but then nothing after that. You don't have a vision. You haven't talked to God. It's so important for you in all of this, in your 31 days of encounter and all this kind of stuff, to ask God for the plan for your life and for the year. And I mean, practical stuff, your budget, how you spend your time, how you date your wife. They like that stuff. Amen. Uh, my wife is the, she's the best at it with, um, I, we got a, uh, we got a heated blanket, uh, for Christmas and, uh, and she's really excited about it cause it's small. <laughs> so she sits on the couch and, uh, is really near me to share that blanket. So if anybody out there has like a King size one, <laughs> I'm not a big cuddler. Um, really, she probably falls more in the line of a smotherer. <laughs> um, um but anyway, but, but just those things, how, how, how are you going to run your budget? How are you going to spend time with people? How much time are you going to give to outreach and community and spending time with people and all that kind of stuff? Get a vision for it. Get a plan for it this year. If you just go through the motions and do the same old, same old at the end of the year, you're going to have the same old, same old. Amen. So get a vision, make it, the scripture says, if you aim or the, I've heard a mentor of mine say, if you aim for nothing, you're going to hit it every time. going to end up with nothing at the end if you don't set a goal and make a plan. And the scripture is so clear about having a vision and making a goal. I love this. Vision is a mental image of your future. From God, get a mental image of like what your future is. God, what do you have for us? Vision is a thought that demands a response. Vision locates your potential and places it in your future. Vision brings your destiny into emotional focus. Vision is the ability to see a dangerous or destructive situation before they unfold. Vision gives you the reason to push things aside. Amen. There's so many times in my life like, oh, I could have gone down that path, but I had this kind of vision for my life and I was able to avoid that because this was more attractive than that and this stayed in front of me. Amen. You won't get caught up in that thing and that thing and that thing if your vision is really clear and it's in front of you. Amen. And so get that vision. Ask God what your year looks like. In these 31 days, God, I want to encounter what you have for me this year and what it looks like. In between conception, just know this, in between the conception and the creation, there's always a struggle. And that's why we seek God. That's why we pray. That's why we pursue him. Because we need him to be in the middle of the both of those. Amen? Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, people perish. One translation says, cease to exist. Are there areas in your life where you feel like you're ceasing to exist? That you wish that there was more life, that you wish that it was more energy, more passion, more whatever? Do you, you feel like you're ceasing to exist in certain areas? It's because you need more vision in that area. You need to get with God and say, hey, God, speak to me in these things. Pick a book about it, look into the Bible, You know, find something that's gonna help inspire you in those seasons because without vision in those areas, you perish and you cease to exist. Amen? Won't you all stand to your feet? We're going to drop the lights down just a little bit, and we're going to kind of have a private moment before we dismiss you. And here's what I would ask. If you're in here, if everybody in here would bow their heads and close their eyes, I want to give you in here an opportunity to make a connection with God. Maybe you're in here and you say, man, you're talking about thirty way, 31 days of encountering God and you're talking about having a vision all that kind of stuff is really foreign to me. Maybe you never thought about having a relationship with God or pursuing God or going down a road of, of Christianity or having a savior, all that kind of language that we use today. But all of a sudden you're in here and you're like, but you know what? It kind of feels like that's something I need to do. Or maybe you're feeling led to pursue something like that. Or maybe it was clear to you. Maybe you're in here and you've already at some point during this service said, you know what? I need to make a change. I need to make a change for better. I need to start a pursuit with God. Here's what we're going to do with nobody looking around. If you're in here and you say, today, I want to make a commitment for Christ. I want to choose to follow God and and start on this journey of Christianity. You're not going to be perfect overnight. None of us are. We're still not perfect. But all you're doing is what the scripture says. The scripture says, all who call upon my name shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you're on your way to heaven. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation. All that matters is that in your heart, you're making a decision today to forget the way that you used to live and the things you used to struggle with. And you're saying, God, I choose you to be my savior, to be the person who helps me in this life. If that's you with nobody looking around, when you count to three, I'll have you, when I count to three, I'll have you raise your hand. You'll stay right where you are. We won't have you come forward or do any kind of uh, class, you know, get you to any kind of class or anything. Literally, I'm just going to pray out loud and we'll all pray out loud together right where you are. But if that's you and you say, yeah, get me in on that prayer. I want I want that in my life. If that's you with nobody looking around on three, raise your hand. One, two, three. If you're in here, you say today, I choose that. See that hand. Anybody else? Cool. What a great way to start a new year. Great. Anybody else? Just slip it up right where you are. We'll pray together. Cool. All right. If, you, if you're in here and you say, man, I, I couldn't raise my hand, but I want to do it, here's the good news. You can just still pray this out, and it'll work the same for you. So let's all say this together. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say amen. Give it up for them. Prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer, I have one encouragement for you is, well, two. Uh, First thing is find a great church. Uh, We'd love to have you here, but get plugged into a place. The city's full of great churches. Find a church that you love and stay committed to it and grow in God. The second thing is uh, there's an information card. If you would fill that card out and just check the box that says I made a commitment or a recommitment for Christ. We won't call you unless you ask for a phone call. We won't try to get you in a class or anything like that. I literally just want to pray for you this week, just throughout the week and just be praying for you and encouraging you. And uh, so if you could fill that out, that'd be super helpful to us. And uh, we appreciate that. So for the rest of us, I want to pray us out one more time, uh, just kind of about these things we talked about and just know that what God is doing. Um, yeah, actually thank you, John. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I'm glad we got some people excited to give um i'll talk about that in a minute yeah i want to pray for you about these things and then we'll take up our legacy offering um let's just kind of lift our hands up to our side and if you're comfortable with that god we are stepping into the new obviously god you know that january is coming for some of us it's exciting for for some of us it may be a new year of new pain and new frustration And it may look like a year of no hope. It may feel like a rerun. But God, I just ask right now that you show up on the scene and you make yourself real to every person who may be struggling. This week, as people celebrate New Year and it's festive, and for those that have pain, God, we just pray that your perfect love cast out all fear. God, I pray that you take their hand. Lord, I pray that your presence is known in 2016 like never before. God, I thank you for the rest of us. Uh, We've heard these words, God, and we need to do the sort of the deep, clean maintenance. Lord, I thank you that you're going to give us the desires to just chase you and pursue you and give up those things that may be getting in the way. God, I just pray uh, that this year, 2016, Lord, that we accomplish more for your kingdom than we ever have. Lord, let our lives be kingdom first, our thoughts and desires later. Lord, we know that your word promises that as we seek you first, everything else shall be added unto us. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say amen.